this week on Hope for the Broken. Listen, in the midst of your failure, fight the urge to run from and instead run to Jesus. It is in the loving arms of God our Father that we find forgiveness, we find restoration, and we find a brand new assignment. But it is our tendency to run and hide in failure, and we get stuck there. But God invites us instead to run to Him. The Lord stands ready to grant us a new beginning always. Welcome to Hope for the Broken, the audio podcast ministry of Trinity Baptist Church in Mount Pleasant, Texas. I'm your host, Austin Mahoney. We exist to become a gospel-centered community, redeeming brokenness through hope in Jesus Christ. At Trinity, we believe we are all broken and in need of the redeeming hope found in Jesus. For more information about our church, visit us on our website at trinitytx.org. This week, we continue our series called Greater Than. Here's our pastor, Chris Wigley, with part five titled, Greater Than My Failures. We're in the middle of a teaching series that we've entitled Greater Than. And what we're doing is we're taking a look at several different circumstances that seem to be common to the human experience. Uh, Throughout life, we all face many different things, but there's a lot of things that we all share in common in the things that we face. And so we've been talking about the fact that Jesus is greater than even those things that we face. And so far, we've talked about how Jesus is greater than the grave. We've talked about how Jesus is greater than my worry and my anxiety. We've talked about how Jesus is greater than my family values or my family challenges. And we talked about how Jesus is greater even than our grief. And today's message is entitled, Jesus is Greater Than My Failures. I was very intentional whenever we set up this series to pick this subject for this day. And for those that were graduating that are here today, I want you to know uh, that there will be times in your life in which you will fail. To fail is to be human. We've all failed. And one of us, uh, one time or another, we've all uh, experienced disappointment and we've been failed. And that's because to fail is to be human. Have you ever felt like you were failing in your marriage? What about hitting a bump in the road in your career? Maybe you failed a class before. Uh, if you're like me, you're very aware of your parenting failures and shortcomings. What about spiritual failure? Maybe you have this goal in your heart and in your mind that you want to spend time with the Lord each and every day, only to let the day get away from you and you have yet to spend time with your Creator. Or maybe you've experienced a moral failure. You've fallen into some habitual sin and it has stolen your joy. Or perhaps you desire to make a stand for Christ in the office only to succumb to the pressure to conform and to let sleeping dogs lie. The truth is we've all failed in a variety of ways, and that's because to fail is to be human. And if you think about it, our lives have been filled with failure. The first time you tried to walk, you failed. The first time you tried to ride a bike without training wheels, I guarantee you, you failed. The first time someone threw a ball at you, you probably failed at catching it. And like me, you've probably failed a test. We've all let somebody down. My point is, all of us in this room, myself included, have failed. And did you know that the Bible is full of stories of men and women who have failed and even in the most miserable of ways? You think for a moment about Abraham. 
Remember Abraham? God promised Abraham a son even in his old age, and yet he failed to trust God in that endeavor. Now, keep in mind, Abraham in the book of Hebrews is noted for what? He's noted for his faith. Yet he took matters in his own hands and created a mess. And by the way, we're still reeling from the mess that Abraham made thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. And so Abraham, a, a, a God noted for his faith, failed. What about King David? A man after God's own heart had a horrific moral failure. And Peter, who we're going to examine this morning, failed the Lord Jesus multiple times. By the way, how would you like to have your failures recorded in the Bible and preserved for all of eternity so that everyone could read about every single one of them, right? Poor Peter. I bet you he's up in heaven and, and he's sitting there going, God, look, they're in Mount Pleasant. They're talking about me again. Why can't you just delete that from your scripture? But I'm so glad that God has chosen to preserve that, right? Because I don't know about you, but I glean encouragement from this, that even the greats of our faith have experienced failure. And I know that in times that I have failed, times that you fail, we can turn to these examples and be encouraged that not only are there causes for our failure that we can correct, but it's not final. Failure is not final. And there's much we learn from Peter and his failure. But the one thing that I want you to know about the people in the scriptures that failed, they did so in a way in which they failed forward. What I mean by that is, yes, they experienced failure, but God leveraged that moment of failure to set them up with an incredible ministry, to set them up to, to accomplish something uh, that was far greater than themselves. And the same is true for us. It can be. We can fail, but we can fail forward. And so today I want to talk as we examine Peter's failure about two different things. I want to talk to the four uh, causes to failure, and then I want to look at the four ways to recover from failure. Those two things will serve as our major outline this morning. Let's first look at what causes failure. Peter failed in four different ways that caused his failure. Number one was his pride. Christian enemy number one is pride and arrogance. I want you to look at Matthew chapter 26. And by the way, we're going to be in two places this morning, Matthew 26 and John 21. And so you can mark your, your, your Bibles there, but we're going to look in Matthew 26. And Jesus is in the final approach of what we know to be Passion Week. That is Easter week. That's where he's, he's headed to the cross. He's about to be arrested, about to endure a fake trial, and then ultimately crucified and buried in the tomb all before he resurrects from the grave. And before he, those events begin to transpire, he gathers his disciples in the upper room to share the Passover meal with them. And he instituted the Lord's Supper or communion, and it was indeed a, a, an incredible spiritual experience for these men. And we, this is the stage also for Peter's great fall. Look, look at verse 30 as we pick up in the story. It says, and when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. And Peter answered him, 
Though they all fall away, I, I like that. I mean, here Jesus is talking about all the disciples falling away from him. And Peter goes, though all these clowns <laughs> uh, fall away, look at what he says, because of you, I will never fall away. And Jesus tried to give Peter a little bit of humble pie. And he said, truly, I tell you this very night before the rooster crows, you, Peter, will deny me three times. But Peter's arrogance continued He said to Jesus, even if I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Do you see the pride welling up in Peter? It's obvious, isn't it? And I get it. I mean, Peter had reason to be prideful. You you think he was the one that always had an answer? Right? He was the guy you could count on in Sunday school class to give the right answer, right? He always had an answer. He was bold. He was the guy that got out of the boat when Jesus came walking on the water. You remember that story? He's the only one that was willing to get out of the boat. It was also Peter's confession of Jesus being the Lord that that Jesus said what? He said, and your name is Peter, and upon this rock, which is the word Petros, where we get the word Peter, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What had happened is Peter had allowed pride to go unchecked in his life. Pride is Christian enemy number one. And there's a warning here. Our pride reveals an awful truth about every single one of us. And the awful truth is that we all struggle with pride. In fact, I would argue that the very first sin committed in the Garden of Eden was the sin of pride. What was the temptation that you would become like God, knowing good and evil? And the desire to want to know those things, the desire to want to be like God, pride, caused Adam and Eve to succumb to sin and temptation. Jeremiah 17.9 says this about each one of us. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? 1 Corinthians 10, 12 warns us, Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Beloved, every one of us, myself included, have the capacity to sin in even the most grievous of ways. It is within you. It is within me. I confess this, even as your pastor, I know my heart is desperately sick and apart from Christ can do even the most evil of things. And if we let pride go unchecked, we need to take heed lest we fall. Let me give you a case in point. Have you ever heard about someone maybe had a horrible moral failure or did something that was completely devastating to them and their family, and have you ever said this? I would never do that. I would tell you, 1 Corinthians 10, 12, take heed lest you fall. Pride is enemy to the Christian faith. It is the setup for failure. Proverbs 16, 18 says this, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In other words, where you see someone that is prideful, failure is nearby. Pride is the precursor 
to failure. And we often think that, that we're strong enough, that, that there's nothing that we, there's certain areas in which we would not fall. Well, take heed lest you do fall, because the enemy often attacks at our greatest strength. Why? Because it is our greatest strength that we often leave unprotected, unguarded. We think we've got it all figured out. We think that we're there. And, and there's a great uh, devotionalist, Oswald Chambers, who said this. He said, an unguarded strength is a weakness. An unguarded strength is actually a weakness. And so we need to be careful. We need to keep our pride in check. The second thing that causes failure is ignoring prayer. The second cause of failure in Peter's life is ceasing to be a person of prayer. Let's continue in Matthew chapter 26. After the upper room experience and after he tells Peter that he's going to deny him three times, he then takes his disciples into the Garden of Gethsemane. And you guys remember what happens in the Garden of Gethsemane, right? This is where Jesus is arrested. He goes there to pray. He asks his disciples, will you just sit there and pray? Because because my heart is burdened. And, And we know that he sweat drops of blood. And this was right before he was to endure the cross. And Jesus was under so much immense pressure that his prayer before his heavenly Father, was God, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not my will, but yours. This was, this was Jesus' darkest moment. Look at what transpires in verses 40 and 41. After he went to pray, he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so you cannot watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. I wish I could tell you this was the last time the disciples failed Jesus in this way. This was the first of three times in which they would fail Jesus when he needed them the most. Peter was specifically addressed. And Jesus says, watch and pray. Why? Why would Jesus say, watch and pray? He answers it, that you may not enter into temptation Failure occurs whenever we buy into temptation. We give into temptation. And you and I, we face temptation each and every day of our lives. No one is exempt from facing temptation. And there is an enemy who Scripture says is seeking, lurking like a roaring lion, seeking for someone to devour, not hinder, not trip up. He's seeking for someone to devour, to completely destroy. And and we often ignore the spiritual realm or we often ignore the power of prayer in our lives when we go throughout each and every day and face these temptations day in and day out. Listen, you and I don't stand a chance against the schemes of the devil apart from prayer and reliance upon God's strength. And this is why this is why Jesus asked Peter to watch and to pray. And you know what? If we're honest, we are people of prayer. But when does prayer kick in? After the failure has already occurred, right? Oh, we become people of prayer then. Oh, God, I failed. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Oh, God, redeem this situation. But the urging of Jesus to Peter might suggest even to us that had we been the person of prayer and guarding even our strengths, that we might not have experienced the failure to begin with. The causes of Peter's failure was pride and ignoring prayer. 
The third cause for Peter's failure is the fear of man. Fearing fellow mankind always leads to failure. Continue reading in Matthew 26. As I read, I want you to circle and underline. We're going to start in verse 69. Circle and underline where you see Peter succumbing to the fear of man or being more concerned about what people think than God thinks. It says, now Peter was sitting outside in the courtyard and a servant girl came up to him and said, you also were with Jesus the Galilean. But he denied it before them all, saying, I do not know what you mean. And when he went out to the entrance, another servant girl saw him, and she said to the bystanders, this man was with Jesus of Nazareth. And again, he denied it, but with an oath, I do not know the man. After a little while, the bystanders came up to Peter and said, certainly you two are one of them, for your accent betrays you. And then he began to invoke a curse on himself, and he began to swear, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crowed. Peter was so concerned with what other people were saying and with what other people were believing about him that he completely forgot his commitment to Jesus. You remember what he said? He said, I will not deny you. There's not a chance, Jesus, that I'm going to deny you. Well, his fear of man caused him to forget his commitment to Christ. And when we allow the fear of man to be the powerful thing that it is and to rule our hearts, failure is along near us. For students and adults alike, it's called peer pressure. The pressure to conform to popular ideologies and practices of the day. We all face the fear of man. But Paul urges us in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. When Paul says do not be conformed to this world, What he's saying is he said, don't allow the world to squeeze you into its mold. Don't allow peer pressure to force you into the mold and the pattern and the behavior of this dark world, but instead to be transformed. We are to no longer conform to the pattern of this world. Why? Because it will lead to failure. The causes of Peter's failure was pride, ignoring prayer, the fear of man, and the last cause of his failure was ignoring God's word. When we neglect God's word, listen, failure is imminent. It lurks in the midst. Look at verse 75 of Matthew 26 as I prove my point. It says, And Peter remembered the saying of Jesus, Before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter remembered Jesus' words, but it was way too late. He remembered it after the failure had occurred. We need to remember God's word prior to our failure. This is extremely important. Jesus, whenever he was tempted by the devil himself, remember he was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove. There was a voice from heaven that said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Right after that proclamation is when he entered and endured his greatest temptation. But Jesus knew scripture 
And even though the enemy tried to twist Scripture to tempt him even more, he understood the truth of Scripture and defeated the enemy with the Word of God. If Jesus depended upon Scripture to avoid failure, then how much more do we need to? Perhaps our tendency to ignore God's Word in the first place is rooted in our lack of knowledge of it to begin with. We need to be people of the book, people that study God's holy word because it will prevent us from massive failure. What causes failure? Pride causes us to ignore prayer. The fear of man then takes over and we fail to remember Jesus' words. This, my friend, is the recipe for failure. But here's the good news. Failure need not be final. Failure in your life and mine does not have to have the last word. And just like Peter gives us the recipe for failure, he also gives us the road to recovery. And that's what I want to look at as we turn from this idea, this concept that, yes, we've all experienced failure. Maybe you're here today and you're reeling from failure and you're wondering, where do I go next? Well, Peter gives us a roadmap to follow, a guide to follow to recovering from failure. I want to give you four steps to recovery. Step number one, take responsibility. The first step to recovery from a failure is to confess your failure. Confess where you went wrong. Confess where you made mistakes. Own it. That's exactly what Peter did. And he allowed himself to feel the weight of his own mistake. Look at verse 75 of Matthew 26, the last phrase. It says, and he, being Peter, went out and wept bitterly. Listen, when you fail, it is important not to minimize the failure. Don't pretend it didn't happen. Don't rationalize it. Don't make excuses. Instead, own your part in the failure. Now, we don't like this part of recovery, do we? This is painful. It requires humility. It requires a deep searching of your own heart to realize this is where I made a mistake. But it is oh so vitally important to understand that and to own it. When we dismiss quickly our failure, we do ourselves an even bigger failure. We end up failing ourselves because we don't know what to change in the future and we wind up repeating the same failure over and over and over and over again. Both Peter and King David owned their failures. In fact, there's an entire chapter of the book of Psalm dedicated to uh, King David owning his mistake. And I want to read verses 1 through 17 of Psalm 51. And I want you to take notice of how David owns his mistake. After his affair with Bathsheba, he pins this psalm. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and I've done what is evil in your sight so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment of me. 
Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, you delight in truth in the inward being, and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Why? Because it's not joyful right now. And uphold me with a willing spirit. And then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and that maybe my mouth will declare your praise, for you do not delight in sacrifice. Check this out. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. Why? Why did David come to the conclusion that God would not be pleased by it? Because that's easy. I'll just... Bring an offering, and we'll get over this and sweep it under the rug and get beyond it and move past it. No, he says this. The sacrifices of God, when you made a mistake, is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. Do you see the personal ownership? You know, this is something that our culture doesn't do. We don't do this well, do we? When we fail, what is our tendency? To blame somebody else. To point the finger. This is exactly what Adam did when he was being held accountable for sinning in the Garden of Eden. You remember? God came to him and he said, why did you sin? And you remember what Adam said? The woman you gave me, I'm out of this, right? The blame game began. And Adam failed to own his part in his great fall. Listen, the first step to recovery is owning it admitting it, taking responsibility for it. Listen, you will never recover if you don't begin there. You've got to begin there. But that's not the end of it either. After you own it, number two, run to the Lord. Own your mistake, run to the Lord. After feeling the weight of his failure, after repenting and weeping bitterly, Peter ran to Jesus. I love this. Flip over to John chapter 21. My favorite part of writing this sermon is this very step right here. Jesus is resurrected at this point. I imagine Peter's thinking, man, I've really blown it. This is the end. I was set up. Things are going to go great. I made a massive mistake, and I bet it's the end. Look at verse 1 of John 21. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were all together. And Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. And they went out and they got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Peter, thinking he really blown. Man, I stink at this whole Jesus thing. But you know what I'm good at? I'm good at fishing. I'm going fishing. And he failed again. He couldn't even catch any fish. 
I mean, Peter is really in a bad spot. But look at what happens next, verse 4. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. And yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? And they answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And so they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. Now this is my favorite part, verse 7. That disciple whom Jesus loved, that's John identifying himself, therefore said to Peter, Pete, it's the Lord. Look at what, look what Peter did. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself in the sea. He started swimming to who? To Jesus. I want you to think about that for a moment. The man he failed in the Garden of Gethsemane. The man he chose not to associate with is the man that he ran to. Listen, in the midst of your failure, fight the urge to run from and instead run to Jesus. It is in the loving arms of God our Father that we find forgiveness, we find restoration, and we find a brand new assignment. But it is our tendency to run and hide in failure. And we get stuck there. But God invites us instead to run to him. The Lord stands ready to grant us a new beginning always. You know what to me is the greatest picture in this whole denial of Jesus thing? It's when the rooster crowed. Think about that for a moment. What does the rooster crowing symbolize? Symbolizes a brand new day, right? Roosters announce a brand new day. It's here. I'm reminded of Lamentations 3, 22 through 23 that says this, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. Aren't you grateful? For the mercy of God that comes every single morning. Once Peter repented, he wept bitterly. Then he ran to the Lord. Thirdly, he embraced forgiveness. Embrace forgiveness that is offered in Christ. Look at verses 15 through 17 of John 21. I want to paint this picture for you. It says, and when they had finished breakfast, so here's, here's what had happened. Jesus said, hey, cast your nets on the right side. They had this giant haul in, and uh, Peter wasn't there to help because he was running to Jesus. And Jesus said, you know what sounds good for breakfast? Fish. That's disgusting, right? Did you have fish for breakfast this morning? Uh, no, that's not normal. And so, so, but Jesus has breakfast, and he's with all of the disciples. They're all around a fire. So they're all here. This is a public deal in front of all the disciples. And when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, there's a lot of debate as to what the more than these, what Jesus is referring to. Some people think that Jesus is saying, do you love me more than the other disciples? I don't think that's the case. I think Jesus has in view his fishing boat. I think Jesus has in view his friends. Jesus has in view the landscape of the land. Jesus has in view his pride, Peter's pride. He says, Peter, do you 
Do you love me more than all of these things? And Peter says, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, then tend to my sheep. And he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he had said to him a third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. So Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. A couple things. First, why did Jesus ask Peter these questions in front of everybody? Well, where was Peter's failure? It was in front of everybody. One commentator I read says this, a man's repentance must be as notorious as his sin. It's a great guideline. I had a seminary professor who used to tell me, he said, the circle of your offense should be the circle of your confession. So Peter did this very publicly, and so Jesus, desiring to restore him, allowed him to repent publicly. But once it's forgiven, it's done. We have a tendency to not forgive ourselves. But listen, as soon as Jesus forgives it, it means that it was nailed to the cross and it was remembered no more. Scripture says as far as the east is from the west, well, you could travel east all day long. You could travel west until there is no end. And as far as that represents is how far the Lord has removed your failure from you. Praise the Lord. Don't hold on to that which God has already let go of. That's putting you in a position of God. Don't hold on to that which God has already let go of. Now, I want to be clear. Though Peter's proof that failure is not final, notice what's taken place to get to that point. He's owned his mistake. He's felt the weight of it. He's wept. He's repented. He's worn it for a little bit. He's run to the Lord, spent time with Jesus, all before Jesus gives him a new assignment. And when we fail, listen, it is important to do the hard work to get to this point. But eventually, you need to embrace the forgiveness that is yours in Christ Jesus. Allow him to restore you. Take responsibility. Run to the Lord. Embrace forgiveness. The fourth step to recover from failure is to learn from your failure. Learn from it. When Jesus restored Peter, he gave to Peter that which was most valuable to him. What did he give to Peter? He said, feed my sheep. What Peter didn't know is in a moment of days, a matter of days, Jesus was going to ascend into heaven, the Holy Spirit was going to descend upon his people, and Peter was going to preach the first sermon that essentially launched the church of Jesus Christ. You and I are here today because a one-time failure learned from his mistake, owned it, and began boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without Peter's change, without Peter learning from his failure, I don't know where we would be. I, I think that we would still be here because God and his sovereignty would make sure to birth his church. But because Peter was obedient to the leading of the Lord and because he learned from his, his failure, he got to be a part of that. Learn from your failure. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 14. The Holy Spirit has descended upon this group of people. And look at what Peter does. But Peter, standing with the eleven, 
lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. And what flowed from Peter, I'm not going to read it for us today. You can go and read it, Acts chapter 2 this week. But what came out of his mouth was a powerful sermon. And thousands came to faith in that sermon. And here's what we learn. The once speak, then think kind of guy is now the guy that is dependent upon the Holy Spirit before he speaks. And make no mistake, though Peter is opening his mouth and he is saying words, these are not Peter's words. These are God's words. How do I know that? Because people responded to faith. In who? In Jesus, not in Peter. And so Peter learned from his mistake. He learned from his failure. Failure isn't final. Amen? And Jesus is greater than our failure. You're listening to Trinity Baptist Church's Hope for the Broken podcast. If you would like to learn more about this ministry, visit us online at trinitytx.org. That's trinitytx.org. Here's Pastor Chris to wrap up our time together. Thanks for listening today. I'm so glad that you found this podcast. It is our prayer that you are encouraged and challenged by today's message. It is our goal at Trinity to lead everyone into a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have questions about what it means to trust Jesus as the Lord of your life, we would love to connect with you. Please feel free to give us a call at 903-572-1959 or email us at info at If you are ever in the East Texas area, we invite you to join us for worship on Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. Thanks so much for listening today. God bless you. We pray that you have experienced hope today. If you would like to support the ministries of Trinity Baptist Church with a financial gift, you can do so by giving online. Simply log on to trinitytx.org and click the Give tab. Be sure to join us next week as we look into God's Word on Hope for the Broken.